Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Steve. And you're listening once again to Voulez-Vous with Zach and Steve. On today's program, we admire, not admonish, the famed periodic table of elements album by ABBA entitled ABBA Gold. Steve, I couldn't have said it better myself. You could not have referenced science or chemistry or the biology of gold better than that. No. It really is sort of the periodic table of pop music, isn't it? It is. Ooh, metaphor is so early in the program. Ah. (laughs) We're not holding back today, folks. Uh, We brought all of our scientist hats on, otherwise known (laughs) as those shiny lamp hats that doctors wear. I, I, for some reason, when you said science hat, the first thing I pictured was the Devo, uh, the little triangle hats they used to wear. <laughs> both, I don't know why. Both of what you and I thought of as science hats were terrible examples. <laughs> Definitely not science hats. I don't think scientists really wear hats. That's the truth. The man bun movement started from male scientists stolen by men in Brooklyn in 2008. That's right. Uh I just want to bring up a few things. I got a real pro rig happening on this end. It's a real Leona Lewis recording Vokes for a Christmas <laughs> album type situation. Or recording the Cats uh, cast album, as it were, which is probably really what Leona Lewis is doing now. Yeah, except I didn't Nicole Scherzinger just do Cats in the West End and then she did it on Broadway for a little bit? I know she did it in the West End, but the... The the new Broadway revival has not been running long, and I think it's Leona Lewis <gasps> playing, I want to say, Grizabella. She's Correct. like the, the memory cat. The memory cat. All alone in the moonlight. Leona Lewis, the memory cat. A children's novel yeah. <laughs> coming to... What is that? Oh, shit. I was trying to think of that audio book. Audible. Audible. Audible.com. Yeah. They're not paying for us. Neither are... Soleil Mimosa. No, but I will say I'm I'm currently drinking a uh, a cappuccino from the wonderful Gimme Coffee, mm-hmm. which is uh, on Lorimer Street in my neighborhood. And I was reminded yesterday how much I love Abba Gold because I walked in for coffee and they were playing it pretty loudly, like louder than they normally would play music in the coffee shop. And uh, what song was it when I walked in? Winner I told takes you, it I all. think. Winner, Winner takes, takes it all. Yep. And there were a surprising amount of people in the shop who were obviously enjoying it, and even some singing along. Ooh. And I thought this is this seems unusual for a, a little coffee shop in Brooklyn. I mean, as we found out with our infamous one one gig in Brooklyn DJing ABBA music, it's more popular than you would think. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, And then so Zach texted me that he was listening to Winner Takes It All. And then suddenly I had Tropical Loveland stuck in my head for mm, three hours. (laughs) God bless you. I was in a a chain pet store that's terrible called Petland because I wanted to play with a Boston Terrier puppy. And I was just waiting for this one. Oh, yeah. This one family was... What is... uh is is uh, pizza's getting a little long in the tooth for you? You got to go find some, I turn, some younger companions? Yeah, just getting rid of one, getting another. 
my friend, yeah. Car- my you're friend- like Donald Trump. I am exactly. Uh, the new Boston Terrier will be my Melania. Um, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. My friend correctly said uh, Boston Terriers are the poor man's Frenchie, which is true. I do not have enough money for a French bulldog, but I would like pizza to have a buddy. So I'm looking into Boston Terriers. I love it. Um, but I was walking around Petland, and I just was like, Ooh, it's a tropical land. Oh, boy. Like, out of all the ABBA songs, and it wouldn't get out of my head. You know, that's a testament to their craft. Even the ones you don't like, they they have a way of getting in there. I know, but we never thought it would be Tropical Loveland. No, no, we did not. What's the name of the... When I think of, like, stupid ABBA songs I never want to enjoy, what's that one about trains and cities from their first one? Another train, oh, another... another t- t- another town, another train. Yeah, how terrible. Yeah, that that's- one's really bad. <laughs> I th- I think we I think we were talking about how it seems like it's about sort of a hobo, <laughs> like an old timey hobo with a bandana tied to a stick, wandering from town to town. Yep, they loved poverty pop. This is our second time recording this episode because people who follow us on Twitter or Instagram, like all three of them, may have noted that we saw each other at the beginning of July. Was it that long ago? Oh shit, that's three months ago, Zach. Wait, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm getting it confused with the date you almost had at Express Live. Oh, okay. It was okay. the beginning okay. of August. I honestly can't remember. The summer is kind of a blur because I, I was out for most of the summer on the road with A Great Big World. And we happened to play the uh, state fair in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, and so Steve and I met up and we recorded an episode of the show about Abigold, which um, due to technical difficulties, uh, that episode will not be seeing the light of day. And so we are re-recording it right now. And that's literally what you're listening to. Assuming that you are still listening. <laughs> my mom is oh this is this is like the That's big right. exciting news my mom has fine my mom has finally listened to all of the episodes and she listened to it in like what i'm assuming is a furious like coke fueled binge in like yeah. three or four days where she would update me like three times a day like listened to number 13 you guys are hilarious oh that's nice uh Though she did not appreciate, there was one episode where I guess we we were feeling our soleil, and (laughs) I said, your mom looks like a helicopter, and either you or I said that my mom looked like Benny, but couldn't sing. (laughs) (laughs) 
That is a nasty thing to say about someone's mother. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. I apologize sincerely. Honestly, my mom is so in love with you, Zach, that it does. you could literally say anything about her and she'd be fine. Um, so we prepared for reading or for listening and talking about Abba Gold by reading a book by Elizabeth Vincentelli. Uh, That's right. Called Abba Gold. And it's part of the 33 and a third series, a series that you love dearly, Zach Jones. I do. I've, I've read a lot of those books and, and they're responsible actually for a few of my favorite records becoming uh, favorite records of mine because sometimes it, 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 it just really deepens my enjoyment of the music to hear the process uh, that made it and also the time during which it was made. Um, like the, there's a great book about Dusty in Memphis, which is a Dusty Springfield record, a great book about the Flying Burrito Brothers' first album. Uh, and this one too, the Abba Gold book, really kind of was one of the things that uh, restarted my love affair with this music the first time I read it and reading it again especially after talking to you about all of these records and digging in deeper than I ever thought I would <laughs> uh it's it's been uh really fun to read it again and and uh read what she has to think about um some of the album cuts and some of the songs on this collection I I highly recommend it um if you like the show you will love that book yeah it's really it's super super great and she has a pretty she comes out of the gate with like a really strong argument in that she's not really following the rules of the series in which they talk right. about studio uh, studio albums, but she's, I guess, making more of a cultural argument here about uh, Greatest Hits album as a kind of album uh, in the same way that a studio album is. Um, it's a bit of... I feel like she wants to talk about Ava Gold, and so she's shoehorning an argument to fit the record she wants to talk about. Um, yes, but it's an interesting framework. I wasn't sold. I want anyone to talk about Abba in any way, so I'll take her <laughs> argument. But yeah. I wasn't totally sold on on her idea that like there's a cultural shift that happens in the '90s around records that Abba Gold predated and like prophesied in some way. I do like her idea that the idea of kind of massive, wide-reaching concept albums. Is, is really uh, was born in the late 60s and was kind of a big deal through the 70s. And so it became this like gold standard of pop art. If you don't make great albums, then you're sort of worthless as, as a real artist. And I think that that negates the greatness of singles acts. Um, I mean, the entire Motown canon, basically, except for uh, some Stevie Wonder and some Marvin Gaye, uh, and maybe some others. It's it's all singles and it's all incredible pop music. So I I, I do like that um, she's making sort of an argument for making space to talk about a singles artist um, in this wider conversation about great records. The the thirty three and a third series happens to focus on long player albums, and so she makes the point that they don't really have a great one. There isn't really the like a a revolver or a Sgt. Pepper's or a Rumors or whatever in their uh, catalog. So if you want to really get the best things of this band, you sort of have to look at Abigold. Um, and and she also makes the point that it's maybe like the best hits collection ever. Yeah. And if you're going to look at a hits collection, it is a really good one. Yeah. In 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 a, every conceivable way, it's a it's a home run. 
her argument, I think, fits really well with, I think, any any argument for ABBA, just like that NPR article that started us talking about ABBA and having this podcast in the first place, is an argument for the complexity and redemptive power of pop in the face of what maybe only for 15 years was a paradigm of music that said it like great music happens in the form of LPs where she, uh, she's saying, no, actually that's an aberration that music focused on LPs and it really, in the grand scheme of popular music, it was only 15 to 20 years and, uh, singles are far, have had far more historical reach in terms of impact and ABBA as a pop band have an impact that other LP artists do not. Yeah, I mean, in, in the pre-rock and roll era, it was all about singles. And in sort of the post-CD um, physical format uh, uh, as King era of pop music, it seems like it's back to that. Singles and EPs and the, the, the whole marketplace is really single-driven again. And I think it's just another... Um, Another point for ABBA. I mean, the, the, because the, they have so many incredible singles, and to to blow them off, uh, especially as a band that came to prominence in the '70s, just because they don't have a great LP, I think is a huge mistake. And I think it's one of the reasons that they sort of get lumped in with like schlocky disco bands, is because you can't really point to like what is the masterpiece of of their time together yeah you know you you could look at like probably super trooper or voulez-vous or the visitors are really good um solid records and interesting but definitely not on the level with something like rumors for example or i don't know right i think of that when i think of great 70s albums but um but but when they compiled this gold collection it's like it, it's it's really staggering when you look at 19 tracks on this thing and they're all massive unforgettable hit songs and right. and internationally too i mean all over the world these were huge beloved hits yeah uh, and then there's a second installment in the series with other great stuff yeah so it's a it's it's pretty remarkable when when you look at them uh as artists from this perspective instead of trying to pigeon them into the the album thing Right. Yeah, it's I think it's hard because ABBA just wanted to try so many different things. They don't always work as an LP band. Whereas I think Rumors, as an example of a great LP, works because it's so consistent. That's uh, true, yeah. You you can tell the difference between a Stevie Nicks song and a Lindsey Buckingham song and a Christy McVie song. However, there's still like a kind of production value that reaches across all of them. Yeah. Um, but because ABBA was always in service of just what seemed fun or interesting or different, um, that's why you have songs like Tropical Loveland because they're like, why not? Like you would never, right, s- right, right. You would never see Stevie Nicks pick up a fucking marimba and be like, who knows? It's a Tuesday. Well, I'll tell you another difference to me between ABBA and let's let's just continue using Fleetwood Mac as an example. But a lot of the rumors stuff was born of them as a band in a room jamming. And then they would write songs over it. And ABBA, especially in the 70s, I think this is kind of unique. They were a really composition 
uh, focused band, and everything flows down from the songwriting. Yeah. And so when you have that, they they tended to want to produce each song like its own little mini opera almost. Yeah. You know, when when you look at Mamma Mia, there's like so many elements of so many different different kinds of music uh, in that one tune even, and. So to to try to make a whole record that feels like that is sort of impossible because you're jumping around so much. Um, and honestly, I, I feel like when they do try to make records that are cohesive sonically, those are some of their least interesting moments for me. Yeah. You know, like Voulez-Vous as the disco album, for me, kind of gets a little tiresome after a while. I right. like the, the the variety in their stuff. Right. But even, I mean, you know my love of Ulevu. I have. I do. I do. I have the actual record sitting on my desk. But that's right. Even on what is presumably their disco record, they have weird '70s rock kind of songs like "Kisses of that's Fire." True. Kisses that's true. Kisses of Fire. The King has lost his crown, which is a terrible song. And then they have uh, what call it? Your favorite? Does your mother know? Which sounds so much to me like a '50s rock song. Yeah, yeah, really power poppy kind of thing. Uh, speaking of, does your mother know she br- she brings up an ABBA B side that I didn't realize I owned because I bought the big stonkin' huge oh, iTunes right, right. box set of an ABBA song that gets stuck in my head called uh, Dream World, and they had written Dream World. Oh right, right. And they didn't think it worked really well. And so what they did is they chopped out this like weird post-chorus hook that kind of is a song, like when you look at the song in terms of its different sections, it just is weird. Like it's three or four totally different sections going one right after another. Right. Uh, But they took this section and this melody and they just like plopped it, they ripped it out and then they plopped it in Does Your Mother Know? And it's, uh, it's that... Take it easy, take it easy, gotta slow down, girl. And it works so well in Does Your Mother Know? And it works yeah. fine in Dream World, but it's so eerie listening to Dream World. And then that pop, that part comes in and you're like, oh, it's like the fetus of what Does Your Mother Know will eventually be. Um, so you and I also had, uh, tried to come up with, like, tried to look at the listing of Abba Gold and say, is this what we would put on Abba Gold as well? That's right. That's right. Um, and I feel like when we compare the list, because if you're merely looking at their actual hits, you should just be looking at Abba Gold and more Abba Gold, because those are, they're legitimate, like, singles, chart toppers, Right, that's um, right. And if I'm looking at Abba Gold, I mean, you know, my the weakest songs in those albums are on it, it are always going to be Chiquitita and Fernando. I, I know that you feel that way, yes. I, long-time listeners will know. <laughs> I'm, I'm so not a fan of Chiquitita and Fernando, but I don't think... I think because they were so big, like the fact that Fernando got re-recorded, like it was a Frida solo song, and then they re-recorded it as an oh Abba right, song. that's right. Um, and it did huge things for is it 
Is it on arrival? Fernando was just a single. Okay. I think I think they wedged it at the end of some album when they re-released it, but it wasn't uh, originally on any album. Okay. And like maybe money, 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 but again, like that did really well for them, and it yeah, it does something interesting. I've I've always loved more Abba Gold as a record, because um, like I think Summer Night City is great. The day before you came is great, but again, that was like a weird song that didn't do super well for them. Right, right. I would definitely if if it were up to me, I'm looking. Uh, I would I would love to have seen. So long on Abigold. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen the visitors. Yes, I would have loved to have seen when all is said and done. Yeah, yeah, because those are just big favorites of mine. I mean, but but they're not as massive as some of the things that we would cut. Like I think if you think internationally, especially Chiquititza and Fernando are sort of a given. And I love Fernando. Chiquititza, I'm sort of a little more like. You are. I could take it or leave it, and I feel the same way about um, money, money, money. I'm kind of whatever yeah. about that song. Yeah. But, but so much of it is so good. My God. Yeah. I would probably put. I feel like "Ring Ring" is such a good lead up. Oh yeah, in Ring, terms Ring's of so good. thinking about, uh, it's like a great precursor to Waterloo because you can sort of hear what they're doing with like, yeah, that's right, with like a '50s rock stomp. And so I think it's great, uh, but I can see why they're like, oh, we have Waterloo, we don't need Ring Ring. Right. Um, well, and I don't think Ring Ring was, was the international smash that uh, some of these were. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That, that's, a good, that's a good one for the, uh, the revised Zach and Steve's Abigold. Yeah, it comes down to that question of what is, what is your favorite ABBA song and what is the best ABBA songs, you know what I right, mean? Right, right, right. Because yeah. I have I have my favorites for sure. Um but I don't like I love As Good As New from Voulez-vous. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd say that's one of their best songs. I think it's I like it cuz it's weird, but I wouldn't be like, "Yep, you got to cut Mamma Mia cuz I like As Good As New better." Right, right. Yeah, of course. I I I will say I think I, I've I've really been on a kick with the visitors since we recorded the visitors episode because I had never really spent time with that record, and I think I think when all is said and done is one of the best things they ever wrote. That is true. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. that's one that I feel like, uh, if 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 we could see that on the first collection, in place of something lesser, I would be happy with that. But then there's things like so long is really fun, but you know, that's yeah. probably. That's probably rightfully relegated to volume two. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Day Before You Came is so good. I mean, man, there's there's some really good stuff that... I would actually probably put Slipping Through My Fingers as one of their best and not just as one of my favorites. Like, it's in my right, top three. Right. Yeah. But I think that song so successfully captures the greatness that their ballads can have. I think, like, yeah. nothing is more epic than The Winner Takes It All. Um but I would rather have slipping through my fingers than I have a dream. Right. Because I would not say I have a dream is one of their best, nor one of my favorites. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I okay, Let's talk about what we do love on Abigold. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Dancing Queen opening it is like, 
it's again i've i said this when we recorded the arrival episode but i just can't i cannot fathom having that song and not opening a record with it yeah. so i like seeing it uh in its rightful place as track one yeah on epic gold yeah and again i i was just talking to friends about this the other day it came on at like some restaurant or or something and i i i every single time i hear that intro i get chills yeah yeah it's one of the only songs that does that to me it's just so perfect yeah and and it's it's so full of excitement and joy and uh i i just love love the shit out of that song yeah, it, it never gets old to me. It doesn't. I I would say, I think Dancing Queen I became obsessed with when I first heard it. But for sure, Knowing Me, Knowing You was one that I could have listened to forever in seventh grade. Like, yeah, yeah. I love that one. Yeah, I, I think so great. Formal, like formally, Take a Chance on Me and Mamma Mia are incredible. Like they just do such weird, unexpected yeah. things. I love them as that. They emotionally mean nothing to me. Like I don't right, listen. Right. I don't listen to those and be like, ah, yeah. Where knowing me, knowing you is like such a rush of pure angst. It 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 does feel like a different side of them, even in terms of composition and the lyrics and stuff. But also, that's coming a little later than "Take a Chance on Me" and "Mamma Mia" in their writing lives. Yeah. So I think you know they they did they did just get better at the writing. As time progressed, I think that's for sure. I mean, we one of the things that we noted when we first started recording was how adult Abba is, and I think yeah, <laughs> I think at best they're very adult. Uh, right. <laughs> some of their other songs do not uh, do not show off how adult they can be. For example, Tropical Loveland. For example, King Kong song. Right. Uh, Nina, pretty ballerina. But it's interesting because uh, all of those that you've named so far, and probably more that we would continue to name, are earlier in the catalog. So it it is like uh, I think I think they grew into being grown ups, like everybody does. Hmm. And and it's especially when you get to Super Trooper and the Visitors, the lyrics are so uh, mature. Yeah, and and such a such an adult way of handling some really complicated emotions like div- getting divorced and then continuing to work with the people that you've split up with and who are also going through a divorce. And I mean, that that's like some really seedy, heavy, complicated shit. And yeah. they write about it in such a, uh, an understanding, empathetic sort of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knowing me, knowing you, I mean, I know it's before they break up, but that is such a great, example of you know knowing me knowing you it's the best we can do it's yeah. like c- conceding to that is um it it takes a lot of maturity to recognize that that's an okay thing to do do you think that like lindsey buckingham and stevie nicks and mick fleetwood listened to abba sing about their breakup and problems and were like what the actual fuck like i yeah, wonder if yeah. they were like how like, if they were in awe of it, or if they didn't understand it, or if they thought it was ridiculous. Because you think about the fact that, like, Stevie Nicks having to hear the words, like, packing up, shacking up's all you ever want to do. Yeah, as, yeah, like, yeah. it just, like, cut her to the core that she had to hear that and, yeah. like, sing it. But, like, there's nothing here that, at least as far as we know, that, like, Annie Fried or Anyeta 
had to sing that like really got at them are like, I can't believe they wrote these fucking words for me. It doesn't seem like it. And and I think one of the differences too is that you don't have I mean Lindsay is like he takes his songs on those records and really uses them to <laughs> like get sharpen his teeth. And uh and Stevie does the same with her songs. But yeah. with these guys, the the two dudes are writing for the women to sing. So I, I wonder if that naturally just gave them a bit more Okay, well, if we're gonna make them say this stuff, we, you know, we we better make it pretty reasonable and and uh, and and maybe just the act of trying to write for them helps them understand their perspective a bit better. Yeah. So it's not so venomous. Any other songs on Abba Gold that you feel you want to give a tip of the hat to? Well, I do want to say I I heard Mamma Mia uh, during the same coffee shop trip. And I just, it's its such an amazing composition and an amazing production. It's its really amazing, the, the different elements that they're able to combine. Yeah. And and its it might be the paramount example to me of their ability to write a hook and then another hook and then another hook. And you don't expect a fourth one and you get it and it makes total sense and it doesn't feel jammed in there. It's totally logical, and it's totally part of the song. And they, they just keep hitting you with wave after wave of great melodic and lyrical ideas. I just, I, I'm, I'm sort of in awe of that song. Yeah. I mean, I've said it before, but I feel like that same songwriting idea is all throughout the music of British girl group Girls Aloud. Even if we just listen to Girls Aloud's greatest hits and do one episode on the songwriting... Uh, and how it compares to the songwriting of Benny and Bjorn, if that would be interesting. I would do a whole season of talking about Girls Aloud, but it might be useful to talk about how other modern pop produce, uh, like production houses do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never spent time with their music, so I would definitely be game for that. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think you and I also talked about uh, making our own ABBA Golds, so talking about not just what we think is like making playlists on Spotify of not just what the best ABBA songs are, but what our 19 favorites would be yeah, or our 19 yeah. best. Um, so people who subscribe to us on Twitter, we will be posting links to those playlists that Zach and I put up as our favorite ABBA songs. It'll be a real cross-platform experience. You'll be listening to us. You'll be, you'll be looking up the playlist on Spotify. We're just going to hit you with our brand. Our brand will slap you in your face. And then you can share it to Twitter. And then while you go on Seamless and order yourself some Indian food, you can be listening to us on Spotify, tweeting about it, and then uh, answering an email from your mom. Yeah. What if your mom answers the door with the food and you're like, ah, the economy. Oh, I would feel so bad. I would feel so bad. Mostly because I would say, why didn't you tell me? You didn't come to me with this? I could have helped you, Mom. You could have moved into... I have this spare bedroom down the hall. You could have moved in, Mom. I could have given you at least $50. Yeah, that covers a mortgage in the Midwest, right? Yeah. By the way, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> uh, last things. Oh, so one, Zach and I, you and I are going to post our ABBA favorites. You and I. That's not one of them. Oh. Oh, me and I. That's what I meant me to say. I. I love that song. Was it in your top 19? I don't think it is. 
I don't think it is. I mean, what kind of person would call me and I a top 19 ABBA song? There is some Belgian who's like 50, <laughs> who's 52 years old, who's like, yeah. I would. Track one. Yeah. Please, Belgian man who's 52, do not troll us. Wasn't that the one that they sang when they when they had that recent reunion? This is what's confusing. At first they said Me and I was sung by them. But then a later report said when all is said and done. And it's like the people in this room must have known the difference between those two. What is yes. it? I think I, I think I know what it is. It's that the uh the Benny and Bjorn were being honored and the two women performed uh, when all is not when all is said and done, the way old friends do. Uh huh. And then when Benny and Bjorn came onto the stage, they were giving a speech, and then there was an impromptu acapella rendition of "Me and I," and that was significant because all four of them were on stage and singing together. Mm-hmm. Because when they did the way old friends do, it was just the two ladies. Yeah. Was that specific enough? Yes. I I did a search for ABBA reunion so I could find out yeah. more information about this. Did you find a bad tribute band? No, but I did okay. find an article in The Guardian that storied British rag. <laughs> uh, a story from two uh, from 2011 that quotes on Yeta that says, quote, I just feel it would be fun to meet chat about the old days, and perhaps perform together, said Faltzgog in her first interview for more than a decade. She revealed that she had a bag full of, quote, half-written songs, which helps nobody, and would like to sing the theme of a major film. That's a weird sentence. Uh, that and is a weird sentence. And then it continues, quote, we would not get together again for a tour like the Rolling Stones and other old bands do. I think we would all consider a one-off reunion, maybe for a good cause. How about, like, fucking world peace? Like, chill us out and perform again, Abba. It's a good time. It's a good time. Perform for Hillary. I'm with her. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> Hillary's like... <laughs> what, is, what is the least relatable thing Hillary Clinton could do for people who support <laughs> Donald Trump? <laughs> They're like, college-educated white people... Love Abba. Yeah. So oh. instead of trying to reach out to anyone else, let's just make them happy. <laughs> she, she's like, Katy Perry showed up in a dress that looked like the American flag with tacky dangly earrings at the DNC and it helped nobody. Next uh-huh. stop, Abba. Abba. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what sorts of theme songs, like what major film would Anyeta sing the theme song to? I'm I'm assuming she means like uh, My Heart Will Go On, um, which I, I I have to say not to be unkind, but uh, in the clip of that reunion, Anyeta does not really have the uh, the instrument anymore that she once did. Mm. So I I would worry uh, for her taking on such a hefty responsibility. Frida, yeah. however, seems like she still has it. Yeah. And as ever, we are feeling the freed. <laughs> Power bottoms for Ani Freed. Amen. Uh, the last thing is, I believe our next episodes that we want to set up 
are for looking at some of their best TV performances or live performances. Keep in mind, we've already seen a lot of their live at Wembley as well as music videos too. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're going to send out some uh, calls for you guys on Twitter uh, for links to what you think the best opera performances or at least the most entertaining or insane performances of theirs are. So we can review those for a future episode of Excuse me, voulez-vous with Zach and Steve? Even if the only thing you like about it is the costuming, that is totally acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And and totally fair game. If you would like to follow us, we are on Twitter. I can't believe I always forget this. It's voulez-vous cast. At voulez-vous cast. No, is it? <laughs> it is. It's voulez-vous cast. Okay. Uh, so you can follow us on Twitter at voulez-vous cast. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at there is thunder. What about you, Zach? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Jones Music, Z-A-C-H Jones Music. And I would like to say, because we're here on this show, uh, my band, Zach Jones and the Tricky Bits, we have our first single out. What? And uh, a music video for that single. Yeah. Oh, you're not... You probably missed it because you're not on Facebook anymore. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm coming back. Don't worry. Okay, good. I'll send it to you directly. But the song is called Great Again. And uh, it's up on YouTube, and the song is also available for download. So uh, check that out. And we're also going to put out our first EP uh, probably in November. And uh, we're doing some tour dates this month, which is October, around the U.S., opening for my friend Liz Longley, and I'll be playing drums in her band. So uh, keep an eye out. If you want to know what's going on, meet in person, hear some music, uh, it's all at Zach Jones Music. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you, dude. Uh, you can find me at a middle school teaching 7th grade English to some pretty interesting kids. How is it going so far? You know, uh, it's getting better, which is good. Good, good. How does uh, it compare to your New York teaching experience? Uh... I love the people I work with a lot and I'm learning I'm learning how to interact in a really positive way with the kids. They're just totally different. I worked with in Queens very uh very calm immigrant kids, so they were like super sweet, very weird, uh and lovely. And the kids I work with now are like sweet and lovely. Um but they have different kinds of challenges. We're in a different part of the country and Right. Uh, so anyways, I have tons of weirdo stories. I have a student who tells me all the time, the room smells like onions. <laughs> uh, and he finds out personal information about other kids and then goes up to them and whispers it. <laughs> oh God. Which really creeps out the kids. And I, yeah, which is like kind of funny, but it's, it's like, you know, kind of serious. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, everything's good. Um, uh, good. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. But this one goes out to my mom. Thanks for listening all the way through to the ep, mom. Yes, hello, Steve's mom. And as always, Zach. Wait, who says it? Do you or I? Um, I think it it just depends. We we go either way. Okay, so I'll do it. Thank you for the music, the songs we're singing. Mama mia, here I go again. Mama, how can I resist you? Mama mia. Show again.